Before we begin episode 5 of the Serious Disney's Frozen discussion, I'd like to warn the listener that this recording, made in early 2016 when priorities were different, gets a bit… grouchy. I've not been looking forward to putting this one out, because usually I like the things I make to be generally positive, and in this one, I sound like a bit of an arse in parts if I'm honest with you. I ran into a suspension of disbelief problem, and I just couldn't stop nitpicking after that point, so if you only want to hear positive things about this lovely film, then maybe skip out once we start talking about the last couple of songs. However, I know enough about the process of making animated films to know that despite my personal nitpicks, the actual craft of every person working on this film is some of the best in the business, and I have a heck of a lot of respect for them all. In other words, if anyone who worked on this film happens to hear this, then please don't be sad. I think you're good. And I want to be friends. Maybe you'll let me off if I remind you that we were approaching hour 8 of this long dissection by now, and I think it was starting to show. Luckily, we get silly again next episode. Alright, on we go then, with the grumping episode of Serious Disney. Welcome back to Serious Disney with Dave Bulmer and Jahan Rana Singh. But brace yourself, you are about to hear the grouchiest episode of our Frozen series, in which we start to really sound like a pair of old grumps. But are we being unreasonable, or does the film start to really fall apart around the, ooh, say, fixer-upper mark? You be the judge as we tackle such subjects as two bad jokes about fallen trees, a musical reprise from a different musical, another story-changing plot hole about Kristoff that they really should have addressed, and a rock and roll comeback that just wasn't needed. And then, finally, our shared frustration over the song fixer-upper twirls off in all sorts of directions. Will you still respect us after all this serious Disney? So now, the next thing that happens in the film is not a huge thing worth bringing up, but I just wanted to. But we to. will anyway. Did you understand what the bark thing was? What? There is a moment in the film here where we cut back to Arendelle, and there are two men stacking logs. Yeah. And one of them says, No, the bark should be up! And the other one goes, No, the bark should be down! And then the camera pans away from them, as if we've just had a funny joke. No. Do you remember this now? Vaguely, yeah. It's it's so nothing, but the camera is right on them at first. And, and let me show you, I've still got the disc in. Yeah. And it just stands out just enough that I'm like, I'm supposed to know what that was, aren't I? Is and it a cultural reference? It to... is a cultural reference, and I've looked up what it is. Okay. And it's such an obscure cultural reference that it's weird that they focus on it as strongly as they do. As opposed to it happening in the background of the shot. Exactly. See how conspicuous this is. No, no, you've got the bark facing down. See what I mean? Yeah. See how prominent that is? Yeah. So I was like, I need to know what that was. So yeah. I looked it up and here's what it is. The year this came out, this is such a, a like of the time pop cultural reference that it was like, they should have known better than to reference it because it was it was like putting um Gangnam style. That's exactly what I was trying to think of the name of. It's like putting Gangnam style in. Which I now realise someone did. There was a CG uh that guy doing Gangnam style in an animated film at the time. Okay. But, no, there was. Was it this, the thing with the two squirrels or whatever it was? Well, there was not job. Yeah, it could have been that. There was a film like that where Actually, Psy, that was his name, wasn't it? Yeah. Actually Gangnam styled onto the screen in the film. Gangnam styling back and forth and then went away. Wow. Well, anyway, <laughs> this was... That won't date at all. Yeah, exactly. No one will understand what that is. Now, oh. Like, if they watch it now, if a child now yeah. watched it who wasn't aware of that then because they were too young, they won't get it. Anyway, if this is a reference to something that had happened the year this film came out. Yeah. 
Which is that in Norway, there was a TV program in which it was just eight hours of wood burning in a fireplace. Okay. And it became a little bit of a thing. It was just meant to be relaxing or whatever, but people really tuned into it and it became a bit of a meme. Okay. And then internet arguments started kicking off because people were nitpicking which way up the logs were. This way up burns better. No, it works better upside down. I've been burning logs all my life. My family is a log burning family and we know that you put the bark on the top side or the bottom side. Turns out that all it was was that everyone had like Skinner boxed their way into believing that they know which way up is best just by random chance. You know, so they had the bark facing up one day when it happened to burn better. So then a superstition sets in and they're like, well, I guess we're going to do it this way every time. You mean like when you hammer A on Pokemon to catch... Yeah, yeah. exactly. Except in my world, it was you hold B. Exactly yeah. the same thing. And that's a great example of it. Yeah. No, you hold B. No, you hammer A. <laughs> but if either side... what? By the way, I have a creaky chair. If you hear it, don't worry, <laughs> listeners. If either side was correct about the bark, yeah. it makes so slight a difference that both sides had reasonable cause to think they were right. Yeah. And the argument just raged for a really long time. It was a big argument happening on the internet. Like the dress. Exactly like the dress. Yeah. But Norway-centric. So this wood, it must have been like the day they were rendering this scene that was happening, so they thought they'd put it in the film. But that's stupid. Isn't it good? <laughs> So that explains that. Yeah. Like, what's that? Is it even something that was famous in the US? I mean, maybe it was that day, but it's not now, and Disney films are eternal. <laughs> Especially this one. Yes. But maybe it's another. Maybe this is again us seeing an example of the fact that, like, there wasn't much confidence that this would do well. See, when. What, so they thought that this joke had pushed it over the edge? No, just that, like, well, we might as well make it funny then or whatever. Yeah, again, or like, it doesn't matter what goes in. Because I remember when we found out that they didn't expect The Lion King to do well. Yeah, yeah. At the, the age that we are, our response was like, ha ha, silly fools. They Didn't they know better? Whereas with Frozen, like, we were actually in that time not expecting it to do we well. We were the silly fools. Yeah, but it's not so much silly fools it's more like like it gives you this perspective on like there is no way of predicting what will do well and what won't oh no no because of, of princess and the frog yeah should have been a smash hit mm -hmm. so it really is quite arbitrary what does phenomenally well and what doesn't and so it makes sense that they wouldn't realize this was their big deal oh yeah so. i mean like to become a phenomenon you need to have a few things on your side that Many of which you're not going to be able to predict. Yes. Obviously, there are things that you can predict. Yeah. Like, Frozen did very well for itself by being released at Christmas. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. But like, obviously... Which makes me wonder if some of the problems we have are because of a rushed deadline to be released for Christmas. That could be true as well. I mean, I think it's helped it in the long run, but, like, maybe not as a film. I don't know. Who knows? I no, don't that... think any of the bean counters are going to be like, if only we'd released it or done anything slightly differently yeah. at all. Yeah, it could have been... No, Speaking I mean, bean no. counters, how are you getting on? I right? still have beans, don't <laughs> worry. I considered stopping eating them because I Damn. know that I'm chewing during this recording. That's all right, we had a cake earlier. Oh, hey, everyone, get some... I'll tell them to get yes. some... To get a copy of The Princess and the Frog, yeah. a banoffee pie, and some jelly bellies. And a video of people burning wood. Yeah. Man, this is going to be the next um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> people throw beans at their computer, <laughs> at their ears. <laughs> Don't put beans in your ears. No. We can't support you doing that. You probably could do some damage by doing oh, that. Oh, definitely. Well, or at least what you could probably do is not get the bean out again. Yeah, and that's damaging. <laughs> yeah, probably. I could get... Yeah, that'd be really bad. Don't do that. Don't yeah, do don't that. do that. Don't do that. Were you about to think how many you could get in your ears? No. I could get 
Four in my ears, I think. No, I'm just. I was trying to think what physiological ailment you could get. Well, here's what physiological ailment you get. As you suck on a jelly belly, most people chew a jelly bean, but I yeah. often suck them, and the crust around the outside, which is a significantly different bit than the inside, yeah, uh, dissolves in such a way that it leaves little spikes and points. Okay. And if that were to happen due to like the moisture in your ear, yeah, presumably more gradually, but if it were to happen, this is some great analysis then, of frozen. That could then scrape your eardrum, and you would never again be able to hear. Let it go. Ah, right. You, you saved it. Turn it around at the last minute. Uh, right, let's move on. Put an end to this winter. The Duke of Weaselton, Wesselton, whoever he is, he is not a character I actually remember between viewings of this film. It's always yeah. a surprise that he's there. And now I'll remember him. But up until now, I've found him a bit of an irritating, unfunny series of jokes. <laughs> oh, chicken with a monkey's face. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> funny dance. But I quite, I quite like this. This is the moment where he says to his guys, Hans goes, I need some volunteers to go and do the thing. And yeah. he goes, I'll send two men. And if you find the queen or whatever it is, then... And the quote is, put an end to this winter. But we all know he means killer. Yeah. Quite like that as a euphemism. I just think it's well handled. Yeah. Um, and I actually found him suddenly quite realistic in his um, aims and his opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because assuming he has never seen sorcery before, and assuming that this is terrifying to him now, even no matter if he came here with like bad intentions. Yeah, yeah. I feel like now he's been all right. Not so much in saying like kill the queen. Yeah. But the fear strikes me as reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have liked more of his character doing stuff like that where he comes across as a coherent and important character in the film. Yeah. Because that would have made the hands twist better. If he had started out as not evil, I think Wesselton would have been a better character because if he'd come in as a delegate, yeah, it, you know, happy to open trade, happy to meet the Queen, like, finally, we've oh, we've been wondering what it's like in here... And he'd been quite nice. And then the course of events had caused him to change his mind and want to be against Elsa. Yeah. Now, as I'm saying it, I realise that this would be either crowded out by or would crowd out the hands twist. But maybe the two characters could merge and... In some way, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Like, that would be quite a good... Solution to that. Well, what it would be is that would be a good set of, of reasons why Hans ends up the way he is. But, of yeah. course, it would not leave the door open for the discussion of, like, marrying a man you just met. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a film with a lot of loose ends and weird little bits that don't quite fit together. Is it? And now, in my notes, we're as up to second time in forever. Yeah. <laughs> One of my least favourite bits of this film. I, I don't like it. And one of the reasons I don't like it is that I see a lot of potential in it that I could have liked. Yeah. Because it's it's wanting so hard to be a dramatic reprise of the sort we know from Les Mis and things like that. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that before I launch into this? No, I think I broadly agree with you. It's, it's just a bit weak. I have similar problems with it that I did to the first first time in forever. Yeah. It's just not a song that comes together particularly well for me. They're not written terrifically, like, cleverly. No. They don't intertwine in any... Even though other songs in this are. We've, yeah. We've just gone really on record about how, in summer even, a throwaway gag joke is yeah. brilliantly written. Yeah, whereas both versions of First Time and Forever are fairly ramshackle. Yeah, um, although I don't hate the first one, and I, I, I'm sorry, I do hate the second one. It's a, it's a moment where I almost have to look away. I dislike it so much. Okay. I, I chew my fingernails and grit my teeth. Like, it's, I don't like looking at this. Uh, it, not the, the visuals are fine, but yeah. just it's that it's like an awkward situation I want to be out of. So this is I wrote this down to try and get my best version of why that is on paper. Okay. So I've written I'm into musicals, right? You know that everyone probably knows me knows that. 
People are aware. I'm yeah. not someone you can surprise or eject from a narrative by breaking into song. Almost no matter how clumsily you do it. But this one did it. Something about the speed and tone of the scene did not mesh with the beginning of this song, I felt. Yeah. It was a quiet moment on the stairs. This is the moment where Elsa shows up at the stairs, recognises Olaf, and goes, and you're alive? And he goes, I think so. And it's sort of played as a joke, but it's also yeah. extremely sincere. I, yeah, I think I am. And then, da-da-da-da, we're singing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know what? I feel that too. I feel like this song happens instead of an interesting conversation between yes. these characters. I'm going to say a version of that in a minute. the interesting conversation between yes. the characters. It's not quite Phil Collins in Brother Bear. Not quite. But it is a song <laughs> replacing a scene that I yeah. felt would have been better played as just a dramatic connection this, between yeah. the two characters in this film that I actually genuinely care about and who don't actually otherwise have enough screen time together. Yeah. Now, there'll be people listening who haven't either discussed musicals as much as we have or weren't there when we did, and they'll be thinking, well, what else would a song in a musical be if not replacing dialogue? And I guess I want to point out that there are kind of two kinds of musical that you can have, and one is where just in a scene, either to move the story on or not, you can have a song that kind of stands alone. But then there's the kind of musical where instead of any dialogue or instead of large chunks of dialogue they do a sort of a sung through yeah. thing which is what this is trying to be to its credit but the musical that this film is is the other sort yes where a song is its own little thing slotted in which moves the story on tells you about the character but it's almost something that could be going through the person's head or said in a single line yeah rather than literally just setting music to a conversation yeah which this attempts to do yeah and you can do that in musicals and we both love Les Mis and there are other musicals that do it that we love and this isn't one of them but in this moment it is which makes me think that the stage version will solve the problem here again all okay. you need to do is have more of these and this fits yeah that's all you have to do Elsa's lines start I'm still this is me back to my notes nitpicking this song yeah Elsa's lines start but Anna something something your life awaits yeah which is such a songy way of wording it that it doesn't fit the fact that it's just come in from dialogue they're trying to do that thing where it's like but but Anna we're having a conversation and it's in song yeah and the, to go straight to your life awaits it's not too poetic and I would never notice it, apart from the fact that it resembles the second line of the theme tune to Sonic Underground. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is it the second line? Or it's certainly the, it's in this position in a verse of Sonic Underground. Da, da, da. Triplets born, the throne awaits. The throne awaits, there you go, yeah. Your seal life awaits. Warns, seal warns of a deadly fate. Yeah. So, Do not your children separate. Stop. Bide your time. Stop it. <laughs> um, <laughs> So this is usually fine, but the fact that there's that spoken Elsa to step into the song with it, like... And then it doesn't like go it. into the Sonic Underground theme tune. And then tune. it doesn't go into the Sonic Underground theme tune, which would have been, come on, you've got to admit, <laughs> way better. <laughs> that would have been amazing. And then for some then reason... the film just goes into a 20-minute episode of Sonic Underground and then ends. Yes. Without ever returning to Frozen. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the stuff in Frozen does that, so why not? <laughs> Um, and then for some reason they just keep singing when it would work much better either as dialogue yeah. or as a way more considered song. Actually we're not. Yeah. What do you mean we're not? I don't like that oh, I can't look at them when they're doing it. It's like the CG people are embarrassing themselves. <laughs> deep, 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 deep. Yes. Deep snow. Yes. 
<laughs> I hate that. It works in some musicals, but yeah. it works because that is the style that that musical has, and here it, it isn't. Yeah. This after In Summer, just like moments ago. Yeah. There's no other bit in this film where dialogue of that sort is sung that, that I can think manner, of. Yeah. In that manner, what do you mean we're not? We're literally saying everything that comes into our heads. It's not like that, this film. Yeah. The songs in this film don't do that. So when it happens here, it's like, what are you doing here? Is this... Now I have to re-knit my understanding of the reality here. Yeah. And I'm doing that instead of paying attention, I guess. To one of the very few interactions between these two yes. characters after the first third of the film. Yes. I think this would have been better just spoken. And I didn't like admitting that to myself because it made me think of like the director of Into the Woods or the Phantom movie where they, we talked about this before, where they flinch at being a musical. So they try and take bits that should be sung through and make them just spoken dialogue. Yeah. But it's still my opinion. So either make a better song here or... Or just speak it. Because by the way, this is also, I won't go as far as to say a reference, but they do this in Wicked and they do it really well. Oh, okay. And maybe... I had only heard Wicked, the sound... I'd never seen it. I'd only heard the soundtrack once at this point. I've only heard it twice now. So I don't think I was just going, this isn't as good as Wicked. Yeah. But it isn't. And... I agree with this. I think the only bit of it that strikes me as, like, graceful is when she does lash out and strike her with the spell. Yeah. And the underscore changes to a sinister version of... Yes. Frozen Heart. Frozen which Heart. Which is Lovely. thematically, obviously, that's exactly right. And also, retrospectively, justifies why Frozen Heart is in the film. But. A bit. <laughs> but. Wouldn't it have been better if this had been a reprise of that song? Yeah, that might have If worked. this had been the melody of Frozen Heart that they were talking to each other that climaxed with the heart freezing. We're going to come up against this same thing later when they play in the instrumental music a song that ought to be a, 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 <laughs> a song right here in this moment. Yeah. Um. Maybe but, this should have been a version of Fixer Up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even though I like that moment, it's spoiled for me by what happens immediately before it, which I'll say in a moment. So let me just get through this. This leads into what would be a great climax with the two of them singing at the same time. It's a trick that's used to great effect in all sorts of things we like. Yeah. But here, it's like the climax of a thing that didn't happen. There should have been a build-up to it, but instead yes. the build-up was... What do you mean we're not? <laughs> and now we're on 100% Idina Menzel moaning sounds. <laughs> like we're on... She's doing... And she's great in this yep, scene. She's yep. carrying it as best she can. Yeah. It feels like dropping into a scene halfway or watching around a conspicuously deleted scene or seeing a clip out of context. They suddenly launch into singing at each other. Yeah. At full emotional level. Yeah, yeah. When that hasn't happened. And they've not earned that. Idina Menzel's there doing her rising anguish cries thing. That's what I've written it down here as. <laughs> Which she does like a pro. Yes! So it feels like it's building up to something great again. You're like, oh, where are we going? And it does build to her lashing out and striking her sister through the heart. Which is great. But they, the way they do it, I really dislike. I yeah. can't. They end it on I can't on a high E that's a happy major chord. There are a load of techniques <laughs> that musical writers have been honing and perfecting for a very long time about how to make a note sound anguished. Yeah. And they just go, major chord, I can't! <laughs> da da da! Da da da! It's the happy bit! Now that's not, it's not presented as happy. I don't remember those lyrics. But, uh... Da da da! <laughs> Let me get the lyric book out of the CD. Hang on. <laughs> I can't! Da 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 da! Happy bit! 
Da. What it made me feel like. I hate this. I don't even want to say this about any Disney film, but here's this is what it made me feel like. This whole scene. Sorry to anyone who loves this. It just reminded me of parodies of musicals. Hmm. Written by people who just think what a musical is is where people just randomly sing. Yeah. When you're watching something that has a parody of musical in, like the Now Show or like <laughs> you know, Mock the Week or something, yeah. The Daily Show and things like that. Yes. If they did a parody of a musical, it would be people comedically belting out musical notes yeah. while just talking about anything at all. Yeah. And that's what this is. Yeah. And if it sounds like I'm being a grouch, I'll accept that, but I want to get this in first. The closest thing I can think of in anything else to the way this scene is... Yeah. ...is the Stella gag in The Simpsons, where they're doing a musical version of Streetcar Named Desire. And the joke is that they take a dramatic moment where the guy is there screaming out her name, Stella! Yeah. And they turn it into a jolly tune. Can't yeah. you hear me, Yella? <laughs> You're putting me through hella. <laughs> That's what this is! But I would argue that that note, that I can't, is meant to be the culmination of a lifetime of personal pent-up fear. And instead, it's just a note. It's just a pleasant... It's just like... It's like the end of the song. Yeah. Whereas it could have been a kind of... I can't... Like the Frozen Heart tune could have come out there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It could have been this thing. Yeah. No, it's not a good song. This scene would have been better, in conclusion, if it was spoken and dramatic... But it would be amazing if it was a better written song. Yeah. As it is, it's just a bit pops. <laughs> pops. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's what I wrote. That's what you wrote. <laughs> there you go. Anything else to say about Second Time in Forever? It's a bit pops. <laughs> it is a bit pops, really. Then we move on to a thankfully <laughs> very short uh, uh, note. Less popsy bit. So she's created the uh, the big snowman guard. Marshmallow. Mar- referred to once as Marshmallow and yeah. therefore sort of generally accepted by the public as being called Marshmallow. So we'll call it Marshmallow. That makes sense because she's just found out she can bring snowmen to life. Yeah. Just then. Yeah. Which leads to a gag that they fumbled really badly. They're standing at the edge of the cliff. They're preparing to jump over the cliff. Yeah. Kristoff goes one, two. The snowman throws a tree and she goes, tree! Okay. Remember? Yeah. But what that joke is... Okay. ...is that she's... Unless, unless I have missed something important here that makes it something else. Shall I sound the over-analysis klaxon? Yes. <laughs> Am I wrong in thinking that the joke there is one, two, and three sounds like three? Yeah. That's the gag, right? Okay. Here's my problem with it. He goes one, he goes two. He stops counting... The tree is then launched, the tree goes through the air towards us, the tree then lands in the snow, rolls towards them, and comes to a halt. She then jumps off the cliff, and on the way down goes, Tree! So it's like the joke happened, like, probably ten seconds after the (laughs) moment when it actually is not just, like, the timing of the gag, but when it's relevant at all. There's no tree coming anymore! The tree has stopped! It's not... Tree! As a tree shoots towards them, and then she jumps off the cliff to avoid it. She's off the cliff, the trees come towards them, and stopped! Yeah. Tree! Rubbish! They fumbled it. That You shout tree as a warning or as a statement of alarm, not as just, there was a tree, by the way. I should say that when we went to see the film at the cinema, this is the point at which Dave was ejected. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so everything from now on is... I haven't even seen. (laughs) 
he was screaming this directly into the face of like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the row in front of me. I just lifted the baby out of its mother's arms, turned it round and shouted, Tree! Into its face. And the mum went, what are you doing? That wasn't an appropriate time to scream tree. And I went, yeah, see? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I can't argue with that because... Because it happened. I picked up the baby. I screamed tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I can't argue with your analysis because A, it's true. And B, I'm scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> and now we get to them walking through the snow and the love experts. Right. Um, we're not at the trolls yet. We're at the point where they keep being referred to by the term love experts. Yeah. I'll take you to my friends. The love experts? Yes, the love experts. And it, I just got really fatigued with this phrase, love experts. It just felt like they were trying to cram in a phrase no one would ever say and make it a thing. And <laughs> I, I wasn't keen on it. <laughs> I don't mind it because it lays groundwork for the trolls turning up. Yes. And it makes them a little bit less out of nowhere. I know they're not out of nowhere anyway because they're introduced in the first scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. But frankly, they're out of nowhere in the first scene. I am gonna, there's something about that I'm gonna mention in a minute, that I feel like, yeah, they do feel out of nowhere. Let's go straight there. Uh, oh no, let's not. First I've got a note that says, uh, yes, as he's talking about the love experts, as we've had the little scene with her trying to climb the cliff and not getting anywhere, Yeah. the transition to the next scene is as they walk away, Christoph says, love experts, why are we going to the love experts? Why do you think they can help? Because I've seen them do it before. And this is the first moment I realise, yes he has! He knows exactly who this is! He yeah. was watching. Yeah. Wait, does he know that that's the same girl? No, he just knows it's a girl who has the exact same thing in her hair and that she's exactly the same. And is also related to And is related to the girl who was clearly going to grow up to be the queen. The king and queen were there at the time and everything, it's just obviously her. <laughs> yeah, okay. We can't infer this is what they meant, but it would be ludicrous if he hadn't at some point figured out that this is the girl he saw that happen to. Yeah. Which opens all sorts of cans of worms. Yeah. He knows, for instance, that when he asked, what's up with your hair? And she said, I was born with it. Oh no, that was Hans. Yes. So there's been no time at which he's been yeah. told that she was born with it. So there's nothing to contradict. He just straight up knows who she is. When did he figure that out? Because they didn't show it. Are we looking at an R2-D2 in the original yeah. Star Wars trilogy I scenario? I think so. Where the character he will actually in, knows everything. In Frozen 3, they will go back in time and wipe his memory of <laughs> her or something. Yeah. In the Frozen Menace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he knows all of that and there's nothing It's a big deal! Yeah. It should be a huge thing. If all they had changed was that all along we knew that he knew who she is and isn't telling her, yes. that would have added more to the character of Kristoff in some way or could have been the jumping off point for things that do. Yeah. I feel like that might have fleshed him out a bit. Yeah, I mean, look, they have no end of opportunities to flesh out Kristoff. Yeah. They just decided not to use any of them. So, next thing before we get to fixer-upper, just a little thing. Olaf goes, oh look, the sky's awake. And at the beginning of the film, yeah. Anna said, the sky's awake, so I have to be, so let's go and play. So that's it. No one ever says it again. That's two times in the film when the phrase, the sky's awake, is used. And I couldn't figure out why Abby pointed it out. It's because that they, they see the northern lights on both occasions. Yeah. That's what they're referring to. It's a, a weird way of referring to it. Yeah. So what does this mean? And all I can come up with is that it's, again, connecting Olaf to, Anna. to the fact that it came out of the subconscious leftover bits of their relationship. Yeah. In Elsa's mind, but I think in broader terms, it's supposed to be their relationship generally. Just underlining the potential for him to be... For a, what could have been done To be with. an emotionally meaningful character that they then decided not to take. 
Now we've got to fix her up her. Okay, and now this is the point at which most of you all want to tune out. Yeah, you are going to hate me from now on because I'm going to... I'm going to say unreasonable things. I'm going to hold this thing really to task. But then I'm going to explain why. I mean, I have issues. Yeah? Yeah. Here is what I'm going to read about this song. Right, that's a lot of pages. I've just scrolled past. So I'm going to... You can interject anytime you want. Okay. And I'll just read this. The scene, and this is what I was saying a minute ago, that the, the trolls feel out of nowhere. The scene opens on a long, long, long joke that feels to me like it comes from a previous draft of the film where we hadn't seen the trolls before. It starts with a line that I've, I'm a bit uncomfortable about anyway, which is where Olaf goes, He's crazy! Yeah. That whole scene where he's talking to what appears to be a load of rocks, and yeah. we're invited to laugh at that. Surely would have been more entertaining or would have... It, that comes from a film where this is us seeing him talk to rocks and then they unfold. The music, when they unfold, swells in this crescendo as if it's like, oh, they're actually people! Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought, like, it was sort of maybe playing with the fact that we do know about them just yeah. so oh, yeah, yeah, maybe we can enjoy the reaction that Olaf and Anna are having to him while we know, oh, no, he isn't crazy. And that's how it's, that's how it's played. That's certainly what it is now. Yeah. I'm just going to see if I can find it because I want to show you what I mean. Because I think there's a real swell of the music that would normally score a moment where we're surprised but or impressed by something. Okay, okay, this is the scene. So if I go back a little bit. Watch this, like, with in mind my theory that this was once the reveal of the trolls. They're rocks. You are a sight eyes. This music at this point yes. says to me, he's crazy. But we know he's not. Yeah. It's like... Doo -doo 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 -doo. But we're being shown it through the perspective yes. of these characters. Yeah. Well, I think we're just shown it through that perspective too long. It Maybe goes, you're It goes right. on. It goes on. I recognize you. You want so much weight. I'll distract him while you run. Hi, Spence family. It's nice to meet you. I don't understand your mud experts. Hey, you ready? Uh, okay, well, I'm gonna go. No, 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 Anna, wait! Tremulous strings. Whole entire flipping animation sequence we saw before. <laughs> Coming over the rocks. And then the surprise. Yeah. So, like, it's the time they take to show them rolling in, like, what's this? They start to, ro like, rumble a little bit. What's happening? I just feel like they went either a few steps too far into doing the same thing again. Yeah. Or in some earlier version, this is when this was first shown to us. I think there is something to be said for the idea that you can introduce a character in one way first yeah. and then reintroduce them on, in a different light by having it be through the eyes of a different character. Yeah, I agree with that. And in doing that, you can give a character different introductions in different ways in a film. You can. It's often done when you have taken a few scenes and put them in a different order but I don't think it's an invalid thing to do in and of itself no. I just think that the point is belaboured I agree the point is belaboured and the fact that it's very close to the same set of shots I mean they could for instance have done a version where before they got to that clearing for instance yeah. on the way there some of them could have popped up and done almost an Ewok shtick of like wanting to guard their area or something like that you know what I mean there could have yeah. just been a slightly different reveal of them than what we saw before whereas what we see here is the same one with what seems to be the same intention that we're supposed to have the same building excitement I don't know I mean like when we see them in the prologue mm. it's in a prologue Yes. You know, and I think there's a... So why not not have them appear to be rocks and then roll and then be trolls in the prologue? That could have been where they're just already there or something. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess it's all like, you know, I mean, I'm pulling an example out of the air, but it's like, if there's some kind of Excalibur-like mm-hmm. plot device in a film, it's like, you can introduce it in the prologue, yeah. but then obviously when the protagonist comes across the hidden grove yeah, okay, of, yeah. where Excalibur is resting, then, yeah, you, the audience, yeah. I've seen that sort before, but it's like, yeah. they found it, and now a magical thing's going to happen. I think... That's the idea. Yeah. I think it could have been done better. I think it could have been done with less repetition of the visual ideas. But I don't think that's the main problem we have with this scene. No, let's move on. <laughs> so, here we go. So, this is so uh, let me throw a bone here to Frozen fans who hate me by saying that I did like the next stuff. A mushroom grew on me. I got my fire crystal. I like that. I got my fire crystal is a great line because it just hints at this culture they have. Yes. You don't know what that is. They've got a fire crystal, though. You start to notice they're all wearing necklaces of different colored crystals. Great job. Yeah. Good stuff. So back to being hated. <laughs> so the Fixer Upper song. This is a song that would be the a guy like you of the film, even if it wasn't about roughly the same thing, right? It feels yeah. like... Wait, what song? A guy like a guy like you. The moment where the drama is interrupted in Hunchback in order to have the gargoyles be silly. Oh, Christ. I forgot about that yeah. song, yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to say stuff here and and you'll you'll probably think I'm taking it too far, but whatever, I'm going to say these things. <laughs> okay. There's something I want to bring up that makes me feel weird about this, even though I am probably just taking jolly jokes too seriously by even mentioning it. But this is a song and by extension this is a film that lists traits that any given children in its viewing audience might well have and labels them as deep problems. <laughs> Possible, imagine a child, right, possible audience traits that this song lists as problems to be fixed include inelegant walking gait, moodiness, weird shaped feet, body odour despite washing, being blonde, which is, which is called unmanly here, having, and I quote, a peculiar brain, being, and again I quote, socially impaired. <laughs> This one delivered like a can-you-believe-it wacky gag. And the la- in that one, by the way, when they say the line, yeah. he's socially impaired, they say it out of the corner of their mouth while holding their hands over Christoph's ears. Yeah. Which, like, that's modelled after a parent trying to talk to another parent about their kid's problems while trying not to let the kid hear. That's what it looks the most like. Yeah. Inelegant walking gait, moodiness, body odour. Like, these are problems that kids have. Like, we went to school with kids who had these problems growing yeah. up. Do you know what I mean? The song tries to make up for this right afterwards, and you can argue if you want to defend it that it does, by revealing that this whole time it was building up to a sentiment about how these things can't actually be fixed. Yeah. It doesn't go as far as to say we think they shouldn't have to be fixed, but it does say they can't be because people don't really change. Yeah. But it strikes me as too little and too late, especially when the title of the song, which is an important thing in Disney songs, it's everyone's going to know the title, it's there on the album. Yeah. It tends to be far more lasting and memorable than the lyrics to the song. Yeah. It does seem to be calling for these traits to be hammered out of people before they're fit for habitation, as it were. Okay. All right. I will... I will respond to this. Yes, please do, because like, I don't want to be too mean to it. Yeah, I'm fairly sure the concept of the song is that the trolls are taking the place of an overbearing yes. parent yes. who is trying to sell their child and, to And that, that is clearly established in the scene beforehand, yeah. where, which we just saw where yeah. he's saying like they're a bit overbearing. Yeah, and... I don't think you're meant to take any of these things as actual real problems with him, particularly given if he was presented as this weird shuffling, uh, misshapen kind of like outcast, which maybe he ought to have been, as I say, then perhaps... In this film, he's not shaped like a croissant is. (laughs) 
What? That's from a guy like you. Right, okay, yeah. I have no recollection of that song, it turns out. It's a song about even someone who's a really weird shape is okay deep deep down yeah. inside. Well, I think the idea in Fixer Upper, though, is like, there's nothing much wrong with him, but like, the joke is in trying to defend him, they're making him sound much worse. Yes. Than he is. Oh, that's... Yeah, do you know what? I hadn't got that far. I just saw it as, like, that we're supposed to know the trolls are wrong. Um, uh, or, yeah. Or at least, if they happen to be hitting on a right... One where they're right, they're, they're being unreasonable or whatever. They're raising as negatives yeah. stuff that would never in a million years have occurred to her... Yes. ...as a negative. And she won't come away from it thinking that that thing's a negative. No. It's just the trolls are, like, being... I mean, hypochondriac is not the right word, but it's yeah. sort of where they're being really defensive. It's like, oh, what, so what's wrong with him? Oh, is it, he talks weird, right? Yeah. Oh, it's his blonde hair. That's yeah. that's weird, right? And she's like, what? No, I'm just not interested in dating him because that's literally that nothing is to do. not happening. Yeah. But they're just yeah. rushing ten steps ahead yep. of everybody and basically accidentally eviscerating yeah. the person who they're supposed to be defending by describing each and every small detail of yeah. him as if it's a terrible thing. Yes, agreed. I think that's what it is. I don't think it is saying he, we, the Walt Disney Company, <laughs> believe all of the things that yeah. are being sung in this song are genuinely horrible things about a human being. Yes, basically this is yes, this is where I'm coming from. I'm essentially not criticizing that. Yeah. But what I am doing is I'm looking at... Okay, there's a term for this that I can't really remember the ins and outs of. It's like, have you heard of the doyleism-Watsonian discrepancy? Uh, explain. Well, I, maybe it, I the have... doyleism isn't it. It's something like that, but Watsonian is right. The idea is, uh, it, it originated because um, the Sherlock Holmes fandom was one of the first ones ever, and they, they were one of the first fandoms to like exchange notes on the thing they were into and yeah. there was newsletters and so on so this happened to come out of them but it would have come out of something it's a name that they used for the difference when you can be having an argument where one of you is talking about like we're talking about different things you're talking about what happens in the story yeah and then the other one is talking about the existence of the film as it were so like yeah. the reason it's used it with sherlock holmes is that those stories are written by watson yeah but they're written by arthur conan doyle yeah so which level are you on are you saying why would watson say this yeah. Or are you saying, why would Arthur Conan Doyle say this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, it is more helpful usually to sort of see whether something makes sense and fits in the film. And, and from that perspective, yeah. you're 100% right. But if I, I'll just carry on because I kind of address this here. The kid who's watching this film and isn't old enough to understand these nuances mm. and has a spinal deformity or social issues or has just been told they're just old enough to find out that they have, they have a mental issue or something like that. Yeah. They are here watching Disney cheerfully and comically present these things as flaws that are are assumed by the song I think the song does give the impression that yeah. the trolls at least assume that Anna agrees with them in a kind of like um, you know when like a comedian says something about an entire group of people and yeah. goes am I right and the audience laughs yeah. and then they get in trouble with it and they go oh it's just a persona it reminds me of that here's a moment where the song's like he's socially impaired if you know what I mean that's bad and then later they go Oh, yeah, but the trolls were just overbearing. But the thing about this is, yeah. social. I feel like you're loading more onto the term socially impaired in this yeah. context than is backed up by what's in the material. Well, and I mean, I don't think the writers of the song like meant to be mean about this stuff, so it is hypothetical. But I'm imagining this kid who's just figured out yeah. why his mum sometimes puts her hands over his ears while describing him to their friends. It That stuff 
it just comes across as ugly to me. This doesn't offend me in any way, but yeah. I'm just imagining the kids who this does describe. Yeah. Mind you, I know I'm going into this a bit deeply because, and I say this in a minute, let me see what, if I can, I'll just carry on with what I've written. Um, the kid who's watching this and has a spinal deformity or social or mental issues or whatever, yeah. and has already heard these things cheerfully and comically presented by the song as flaws that are assumed to mean the person who has the flaws won't be loved. Even if the song then turns round on it, it does so by establishing that, like, we all think that. And I think that that is done in sarcasm and it's done in, like, they're wrong. Yeah. But that, I think, is quite a high level of understanding of, like, subtext and context that the younger kids may not have. I just, I don't agree with this insofar uh-huh. as because of, like, because of what we are presented of what Christoph is. Yes. And if he was a person with a spinal deformity, yeah. an actual social condition, like, you know, yeah. if he just demonstrated signs of autism or yeah. a mental development issue or something. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, then everyone would say what I'm saying now. Yeah. That would change it. Yeah. I am without that to back me up. <laughs> but what we are presented with is, like, when they're talking about socially impaired, they're yeah. talking about the fact that he's a misanthrope. Mm-hmm. That is the only aspect of social impairment that the character has. Yeah. I just can't imagine why anyone would form a link to, like, a neurodevelopmental... No, no, they wouldn't. So, and I'm not, I'm not talking about Kristoff anyway. It's just a hypothetical of, like, a child... I think it, but if the idea that Disney would be the ones to ridicule a thing that a member of their audience might have. It just kind of bugged me, but maybe I was taking it too far. So in the notes, I back off a little bit and I say like a, a lighter version of the same point, yeah. which is that it reminds me of a moment in Princess and the Frog, yeah. which doesn't matter and isn't a problem, but which the same part of me that latched onto this, it made me uncomfortable in a similar way, which is the the, the silly, you know, light throwaway moment where the yeah. alligator does his bit about being excited to have a belly button, but one of the ones that goes in, not one of the ones that sticks out. Yeah. It's not, it's same as here. It's a throwaway joke. It's not something yeah. to be taken seriously. I just don't remember Pinocchio or Aladdin or Little Mermaid ever telling me, even lightly, what physical or mental traits are okay and which are laughably unokay and undesirable. Yeah. And now they do. That's something Disney films feel like they're it's in comfortable territory now. I'm, Same as yeah. fart jokes. Yeah. Which I also would go on a rant as big as this about. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think it's all right to be heading this way, I guess. I don't agree with no. you on this. I just don't agree with you on no. this. I would need to watch all of these old Disney films mm-hmm. to find evidence of stuff like this. But I'm sure that people do this. Must be jokes in that. But I don't think there are, that's what I mean. noses or something like that, you know? Well, we'll step away from Pinocchio, because I know Pinocchio well enough to be fairly sure there isn't, but I'll still take your point that there, yeah, Yeah. an equivalent moment in another film there might be. Editor's note, I have now remembered the existence of Stromboli in that film, (laughs) and how it's just one great big stereotype, and so that's probably a very similar issue. Uh, Moving on. But I can't think of any in, like, the films that I know well. Yeah that stand up like this except and I still can't think of any examples but it's like it's just a step along the way of like now we do jokes about this that I guess just maybe make me uncomfortable because they didn't before and I'm old now or something like that um, but it reminds me there's another one in this the the thing about the belly button is to me a similar joke to um, from a completely different yeah. direction to the thing where they go oh all men pick their nose yeah um, which I don't like that just because it's a bit gross like I, don't, I, yeah. I kind of wish that line wasn't in it but that's just me being squeamish all men pick their nose and eat it yeah is is something said in this film and it strikes me as like a fart joke it's like don't get out of here I don't want this in my Disney films yeah. so there's an element of two sides of me that are coming in it's like the part that just doesn't want crass jokes yeah yeah and yeah. then 
the side of me that feels this is crass because there are kids watching that it applies to and yes. to whom it is serious. There'll be families who have carefully danced around certain topics and now here's a I joke about a thing. I understand that. I know that it's difficult territory. Yeah. But I feel as though these days one of the ways in which Disney films have evolved is that they are trying to make their characters speak and act more like yes. people do. And in doing so are giving them more relatably real yeah. world levels of insecurity which occasionally include arbitrary and strange hang-ups about aspects of appearance. Yeah, and if I'm right about yeah. the image of the hands over the ears resembling a parent, you could say that this scene is meant to be seen as a mother knows best, where we're looking at bad parenting. Yeah, it's like, if you want to be doing a depiction of an overbearing parent figure, that may include the parent saying an insensitive thing about their child. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be saying that, like, okay, so we don't want them to say anything of that stuff... Okay, that, that's a stance that I can understand where you'd be coming from. Mm -hmm. But then I would say, but then you couldn't do a character like that. For example, mm. you couldn't depict it yeah. from that perspective. Or like, you know, the belly button thing. It's like, I don't feel as though that's so much condemnation of a certain style of belly button than it is a depiction of a person who is very concerned about, like, who is very fixated on. Yeah. I mean, and that fits in with a lot of the character of that alligator in the film. Yeah. Like, this is some this is somebody who is very, very overly fixated on aspects of his physical appearance and how that will cause him to be perceived in society. Yeah. And that part of his journey is that he needs to get over the fact that that doesn't and shouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah. you know, it's on other people to accept him for who he is rather than him to fixate on, like, if only I could look different in this way. So I guess what it's shaken down to is that the thing that I'm latching onto <coughs> in all of these cases is the unspoken sentiment, which I perceived to be there, and, and in some cases you didn't, of like, and we all know this, am I right? That's what I took the belly button gag to be. I yeah. took that to be like, because who would want that? Um, I, I see it more as, as a people say this and a, a a lot of people think this yeah. and here's the kind of personality of a person who thinks this yeah. here's what their worldview looks like here is a, a type of person who would exist in your life here they are right. represented in our story let's examine him from the outside and yeah. see what you think of it so someone who has heard that yeah or, or something along these lines not and i'm not being serious now i'm not talking about a serious issue but yeah. someone who's at the belly button thing or something like that, yeah who's heard any of the things in fixer upper they might see this and go like well see we know that christoph's cool so we know that Kristoff's cool and we know that these trolls are not being yeah. great here when they're saying that they shouldn't be saying that about him they're embarrassing him and they're making him look worse and feel worse than he needed to yeah I'm saying all this as someone who does not like this song. In the checklist of dodgy things that I felt the song was saying to Aye. to its potential child audience who might not see all that, there was one I missed off. Firstly, because it's just silly and it, it doesn't matter. But I wanted to I, I wanted to establish where I'm coming from. I felt that there was an element to this song of here are the things that people think. Here's a canon of generally held opinion that's normal and we're all thinking. Am I right? I, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's actually the way you've said. It's just a side to it that I just thought was there, and I still think it's there a bit. Uh -huh. The line that I didn't mention is his thing with the reindeer. In the song, they're talking about the fact that he keeps a reindeer and being friends with it is weird. But the phrase they use is, it's a little outside of nature's laws. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, if only that sort of phrase could not be written in stone forever. Do you know, it's the kind of phrase we're trying to get rid of right now. That is outside of nature's laws and you shouldn't be doing it. And the reason I didn't like that joke in particular, like the joke about the belly buttons, like yeah. the side of the mouth reference to social impairment, because that's meant to be a joke. He's socially impaired. You kind of yeah. meant to laugh there. It's an attempt to do comedy for the grown-ups watching. It's meant to be a, a fun little line and the parents will go like, ha. 
Um, yeah, it's DLC. <laughs> well, yes, it's yeah. an, it's not to be taken serious comedy implication, but that's the not to be taken serious comedy implication. It is. Yeah. I I am that's too far. I don't think they should have put that line in. Yeah, and I'm not. What I'm not going to do is go as far as to say that I think any children are going to think that that they're not going to pick up on it. Yeah. No one is going to be maimed for life with this yes. concept. But what it is that I'm that I'm not keen on. It's it's not a moment in the film between characters in the film. No one in that group thinks there's anything weird going on with him and the reindeer. Um, no one thinks there's bestiality happening. No, oh no, well not bestiality. <laughs> but no. therefore the only thing remaining, what they're actually saying, is he talks to the reindeer and that's a bit much. I think, I don't think it's fine. so much that he talks to the reindeer, it's that the reindeer is his sole friend yes. and most trusted confidant and we see him singing earlier on yeah. about how he values this reindeer over any other human being he's ever met. Yeah. That's weird. That is weird. And so that's fine. That's absolutely yeah. fine. But I don't like the line for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it is that joke is there. Yes. There is a bestiality joke there. There is, and there shouldn't be. And there shouldn't be. And on a less robust note, but one that I'm still gonna say, I just wish they hadn't used a phrase that people use to discriminate against real people. Um, I understand, yes. And I, I think that now that that's... Do you remember how we grew up thinking that diamond in the rough is a thing anyone would ever say in their life? You know what I mean? There's the, the phrase that is outside of nature's laws is just something I don't think needs to be canonized in a Disney film as a criticism of anything. I suppose that said, though, it's not just used as a phrase for that. The idea of talking about something as like being unnatural, yes, people do use that in a discriminatory way, but it's a concept that exists beyond the social aspect of it, I would mm -hmm. say. I mean, often it's used as a kind of like backward Luddite phrase of like the unnatural experiments yeah. of Dr. Frankenstein or whatever. I'm just saying there are a lot of applications of that phrase and I don't think that it automatically carries those connotations, though it can. And in this case, it's talking about it in a social who sense. his best friend is. So translate it from Disney language. Here is a person and his best friend and that is unnatural. Yeah. In the context of what's in the film, yes. I understand why it's there. I think it rhymes well. And it is a catchy tune. Yeah. I like the music. I feel like everything you've said, I can see what you mean, but I think that it would require you to remove it from the context of the story. Yeah. I feel like, particularly if it's a child, I would hope that the parent would be able to sit them down yeah. and explain to them, well, look at it in the context of, of the story that's being presented and the characters that are being presented and be able to deliver something reassuring to tell them but yeah, yeah this is why it is in the context of these characters who are speaking and hey have a think about that have a oh think i agree with you 100 percent. but we're imagining ourselves as like amazingly clever parents like most of what's going to happen is that this discussion will never happen between anyone but what i'm saying there though yeah. is that like if that's a risk then a lot of things are a risk yeah you know and it's actually it's kind of weird that i've ended up like this about this song because you know when there's grown up stuff in an animated film I usually go cool I guess it's this one hit me in a different way for some reason not hit me I yeah. wasn't sitting there fuming like <laughs> Like, it hit me like a cannonball of feelings. It was just something I was thinking about, I guess. Like I say, I just... I think it's inherently a very difficult thing to guard any work of mm. fiction or creative expression yeah. against taking part of it out of context. And I'm not saying that that person who takes the bit out of context is wrong to have that reaction to it. It's just there are only a certain level of precautions that you as a creator, and you know this as yeah. a creator... Yes, I do. Well, yes, I do. But that, actually, that might be why I came to this yeah. idea because 
This, when I was watching Frozen, I'm thinking a lot about the process. We were yeah. talking about earlier about how, like, dangling leftover bits of story yeah. and how that is how animated films are made. And when yeah. I'm thinking about Olaf and when I'm thinking about the memories, I'm imagining them looking at the storyboards and being really zoomed in. Because yeah. every second, every moment is poured over. Yeah. And, and all I, I, I can't help but think that here are these people writing this song and, yeah. at, and at no point going, would this hurt any of these kids? Should we just not use that? Well, I'm, I feel like that conversation probably came up and they probably rationalised it in the way that I have. Yeah, probably. You know, I don't think that it's a thoughtlessness. I think that they thought, no, I think it should be clear in context mm-hmm. what we're trying to convey okay. by this. And what we're trying to convey is not what you're saying. No. Well. And I know. And I know they never meant it that way. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of wasn't thinking about but it on that layer. But this is often going to come up. If you are producing a piece of work that reflects reality mm-hmm. in any way there's always going to be the risk that something you say, because a piece of art and a piece of fictional creation is not a fully real three-dimensional world. You are providing a sketch of something, and therefore there are going to be things you leave unsaid, Mm -hmm. and sometimes somebody from their own life can fill in those gaps that you have to leave. Um, You know, unless the film Frozen is no longer a film, it's now... A virtual reality in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they've created the world of Frozen. Yeah. And to watch Frozen, you go and live there. Yeah. So for this bit of Fixer Upper, they sing the song, but then you're like, wait, what do you mean by yeah. that? And they'll be like, well, okay, contextually, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. short of being able to do that, you create these risks. I mean, I, I, you know, this is something that's at the forefront of my mind because of, again, you'll be in a much better position to talk to me about this when you watch Zootopia. Yeah. A film that has been tremendously well received, but that only ever gets criticised along one line. And that line is, I feel, a misreading of the central metaphor of the movie as it pertains to race relations, identity, you know, like identity conflict, stereotyping, bias, etc, etc. People have criticised it based on how certain plot points in it look when you remove them from the context of the story they're presenting. You can't completely say that the film must be completely excused from how it looks out of context, because that's not true. But you also, I think... And if, Always. if you did, all of our favourite films, someone would be able to do this to them. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, again, for a different Disney example, the very oft-cited analysis of Beauty and the Beast, where people proclaim it a defence of kidnapping and Stockholm oh, right, Syndrome. Yeah. I've always said to that, yeah, if you ignore half of the film, you know, yes, if you ignore huge swathes of how the characters interact that add a different context to the way they behave. Yeah, look, though, if you do take those out, Yes, I can see how the the rough bones of it can be said to have problematic implications or whatever, but you have to be able to view it with context and without context and not take those two sides of the discussion too far apart from each other because at that point, on one end of the scale, you can make a film be about anything yeah, by taking a bit out of it, but then on the other end of the scale, you start doing that thing that I know you hate where you use in-universe bits of explanation to defend something that would not be defensible <laughs> in any other context, yeah. like the Catwoman costume or right, yeah. or what have or what have you. It's like, oh yeah, but she needs to have her boobs hanging out because yeah, in, in some arcane issue that nobody's heard exactly of, because said something. That, yes, yeah. in in the context of the story, this booby armor was given to her by a magician, and therefore. <laughs> A booby magician. A boob magician. (laughs) And therefore, you know, it's totally internally consistent with the self-justifying law. Perhaps I would never have thought of any of this if it had been 
a good song. <laughs> well, no. Perhaps I would never have thought of any of that if it had been something characters said rather than in a song. Because something in me thinks of Disney songs yeah. as things that play in the car more than that are seen in context in the film. I understand, yeah. Might have been that part of me that was doing that. Listen, I'm gonna, I've got to finish off this note or we'll never get through it. Um... <laughs> So what I've said then is that even... Okay, this song is ultimately proven in-universe to be misguided. It's presented here as overbearing. Perhaps one of the things that's got me nitpicking it is that it does have a place in what does turn out to be a romantic relationship between these characters. So they think that they're fixing them up. And sure enough, they are. Like, in some way, it works. And the bit that I found just a little bit tiresome was when she turns around with the silly, the wedding get-up on. Yeah. And they give Kristoff a kind of Disney, like, wow, the girl's in the correct dress now. (laughs) She's taking her glasses off and shook her hair out. Wow. (laughs) They they do that. And I'm not a fan of that. It just annoys me. I've seen it too many times. Yes. Um, so, but now I'm being critical about everything. This is the thing. I'm, I'm really picking it apart. So then I'm picking apart the fact that it speeds up until it's incoherent and you can just hear them shouting, love, love, love. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm starting to think it sounds oddly religious and then it actually is. It's a wedding now. <laughs> and I, all of these things are things that I'm nitpicking as I'm watching it now. It, something about this song has taken me out of the world of this film and has just Agreed. got it's... me nitpicking. Well, look. A, it's stylistically very, very different yep. from any of the rest of the music yep. in a way that comes across as slightly abrasive. Yep. And I would say the same about the characters, mm-hmm. with the exception of the old Kieran Hines one. He's fine. Yeah. But all of the rest of them come across as raucous comedy characters. It's weird, actually. I find something weird about the fact that he exists in, within their ranks. That they yeah. seem to be completely different things. I know. Wouldn't he get so frigging sick of them? In my, well, maybe that's why he's never there. <laughs> Because he's not there, and they're all like, oh, we don't know where he is. Yeah. Then he comes rolling in because some actual reasonable people <laughs> show up for once. I don't like them for that reason. The, the trolls for that reason. They come across as like, they may as well be rapping. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Well. But, okay, so I'm at the point now where I'm picking holes in everything they say. And for whatever reason, I was sort of analysing it in a sort of that's problematic sort of way. Yeah. But a friend of mine recently got out of a, a bad relationship. Okay. I don't know if it went as far as abusive, but it was bad. And it was just something that he wasn't a good guy. Yeah. So that's happened to you. You think, okay, I need to settle down from this. I'm going to throw on a Disney film. People make bad choices if they're mad. Dot, dot, dot. But throw a little love their way. I don't like that. I don't like it. I know it's not in context. Yeah. But now every like I'm I'm just hearing lines that are in context in this song. You can yeah. beat them into a shape where it's fine. But look at what their words are and they're bad. They're bad things that we shouldn't be teaching kids. That they that the relationship that does end up being the one that she rejected the psycho killer for. Yeah. Could should not have murder psycho. Murder psycho, that yeah. was it. Should not have as its basis. Listen, guys get angry sometimes and they do stuff. Just be by his side and stick with him and throw a little love his way. Yeah, well, look, though. I don't like it. But that (laughs) is a good thing to teach people about nice people. Yes, yes. You know, like the idea that... I almost think in any other Disney film it wouldn't feel like that to me. Like, you know, the idea that you have to take somebody's actions in context and sometimes people can behave irrationally if they are mad or scared or stressed. And for the record, I have praised this film for tackling that issue earlier when I was talking about how 
it's established that people who shut themselves away and act coldly like Elsa. Yeah. This film shows you they may have very well, deep reasons for doing it. Honestly, I mean, yes. And I feel like this song is about more is about oh, it totally more than Kristoff. It absolutely. That's the thing. This yeah. is another one of the things I was talking about earlier. This is yeah. one of the nutshells or whatever it was that it turned <laughs> out not to be. The um the here is a here is a song. Yeah. Which is not about any of the things it's presenting itself as. Yeah. It is, in fact, an informing the relationship between her and Elsa. And yeah. things that she will later realise, that, or has realised already, or we will realise. Yeah. Or, or should just generally be thought about. Yes. My problem is that's the only level on which it satisfactorily works. And one of yeah. the things, uh, I can't remember who said this. I'm sure it wasn't someone at my university. I'm sure they were quoting someone, a writer or something. But yeah. one of the things they taught us is that a symbol in writing, inexperienced writers can get carried away with the fact that an apple represents something in their novel. And they make it, they keep talking about this apple in these weird, lavish ways. And no one will quite understand why they're doing it. The important thing to remember is that it is an apple first. Yes. And symbol second. Yeah. This is not a song first. It is the symbol that should be second first. It's certainly not the song that it is supposed to be mm. first. It is an implication. It actually works as an implication first because it doesn't well, work. Perfectly. It doesn't work as the song that it's meant to be. No. Well. That's the problem. Um, but throw a little love that 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 line becomes the best line in the song if if looked at through from the that lens of Elsa. Like, and, I, I mean, and a, and a fine line if looked at in, on its own terms, and then yeah. a bad line if, as I did, you trace it back to Hans. You know, like if she yeah. could have stuck with him, she could have thrown a little love his way. Uh, I mean, she doesn't know yet, but you know what I mean. But, and, she, and, she could have learn it in this song and do it. I but guess. the line is, and you'll bring out their best. Yes, Hans's best. Yes, is still murder psycho. True. Yeah, <laughs> um, and he brings it out himself. If the story had been that he never reveals himself, then this would be a hateful line. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, look, though, there are a huge number of simple moral phrases that if you take them to yes. their illogical conclusion, oh, yeah. they become terrible of pieces course. of advice. But I just think that this film... Like, look before you leap, for example, <laughs> yeah. can be... Oh, you know, the sentiment behind look No, that one's all right. You... I can't well, think of a way of going wrong with that, but because, it takes a point. Because, no, well, the, the, fr the, the sentiment behind look before you like, uh, you know, be careful before you commit to any yeah. decision. Oh, you might taken never too far, make a decision. A lot of people obsess about yeah. making sure that it's definitely 100% okay it. before they do anything and take any risks, for yeah. example. That's the kind of thing I mean. Like, if I you do that all the time, do you? Me? Yeah. Uh, no, never. That's not me at all. Um, anyway. Um, what I've put is, maybe all of this is just an example of the grumpy way I talk. <laughs> yes, or the weirdness of your feet. Yeah. Um, but... Look, my issue with this song... Yes. This will be a sensible issue. <laughs> Get ready for some actual points. <laughs> Is, well, A, this ridiculous comedy love song. This is the song that does all of the heavy lifting of turning Anna and Kristoff's friendship into a romance. Yeah. This song! Yeah. This comedy musical yeah. number. This is the song that is supposed to change our perception of them into like, oh, they're a couple. And in fact, and we don't know that Hans is ba is evil at no. this point. This, this is, is where it all started getting like a complicated, confusing puzzle, isn't it? Yeah, this is the point at which we're meant to be like, okay, Hans has proven himself to be nothing but a, a delightful yeah. man. But after this, this farcical comedy love song <laughs> sung by annoying trolls, yeah. you're rooting for Anna which, and Kristoff. Which in any other Disney film ever made, yeah. in the, the most progressive ones, any of them, 
this would be the song which absolutely fused it. They are the couple. They are in love. They end up by, together by the end. Yeah. And because we didn't know about Hands, what we're thinking, me and you in the cinema, and this perhaps is why you came away not liking the Hands twist, which yeah. I quite liked. At this point, we're going... What about poor old Hans? This is going to turn nasty soon. Yeah. He's going to get dumped and we're, we're going to be invited to enjoy it. Yeah. In some way. Based on the strength of this frigging song, apparently. <laughs> and, like, it doesn't even win the song showdown because the other... The, Hans's song is Love is an Yo, Open Door. way better. You know? Way better. Not it's e- Hans Down, a better song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Can I loosen this mic so that we can drop it? (laughs) Um, Okay, there's that. Mm -hmm. And then, the crime of all crimes. In this, the defining Disney musical of its era, this is the The last last song! song. (laughs) This farcical comedy love song, (laughs) sung by annoying trolls, were poorly introduced and aren't in any of the rest of the film. This ineffective, tonally confused... Apparently socially problematic song <laughs> Two thirds of the way through a film Yeah This is the musical finale Yeah This is the musical finale In the music And it's not even sung by Either Elsa <laughs> or Anna Or indeed any of the characters No Wait a minute Yeah It's not even sung by the character troll <laughs> He hasn't He didn't turn up till the end No Oh, I God. mean, it's a, that is... is I mean, it, there has got to be a deleted song. Surely. I feel Surely. like I've heard that there is, but the one that I've heard that there is doesn't sound like it was necessarily a song for the end of the film. There was a, there was a deleted reprise of something. Right. And I, I don't think it was Do You Want to Build a Snowman? In the finale, which... Which it had, had li- to be for the whole thing to work. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, you know, the song that would have been the linchpin of the entire film. If Olaf had been melted, <laughs> if he had melted in that scene, then they could have built him again. We can rebuild him. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful moment. Yeah. I mean, okay, no, to be fair, it would have been difficult to make it the finale because they would have to sing it, then rebuild him, and then something happy would have to happen. But whatever, they, they, they screwed up just as badly in the one we got. Why not that? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Yes, we want to build a snow. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll... Because there were people in the past making this same argument about Arabian Nights. Right. So maybe in Tank, in Frozen 3, they'll finally finish the song. <laughs> maybe. But it didn't matter when they did it in Aladdin 3, and it won't matter now. <laughs> Wait, what did they do in Aladdin 3? Aladdin 3 ends in like a good trilogy ending moment yeah. on the reprise... Of Arabian Nights. The peddler comes back oh, and finishes his back. story. Okay. It's like, they yeah. fixed that. Okay. But Does he turn out to be the late. genie? No. Okay. Because that was the original, original yes. ending, wasn't it? Yeah. I think okay. so, yeah. Still, though, that's fine. Yeah. That's it was fine. a good idea. It was a good way, if you're having an Aladdin trilogy, of finishing. Aladdin 3 was alright. You ever seen it? Oh, n- no. It was I'm honestly not. okay. It was okay. like a well-animated TV episode. And I think it was done by, like... There were, like, two good, well-animated episodes of the cartoon, and I think that... It that... was by them. Well, I think it was probably an audition, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, unless it was done in-house at Disney, which is just as likely. So, are you saying that, like, in Frozen, the upcoming Frozen 2, mm-hmm. due to a contractual dispute, Elsa will be played by Dan Castellanetta? Yes, that is what I'm saying. 
Well, all right. I mean, oh, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then it just becomes an episode of Sonic Underground. <laughs> um, it's good to have callbacks to things that happened hours earlier in listening time, isn't it? That nobody listening will remember. That must have only been 45 minutes ago at most. We'll see. <laughs> when you go through this, yes. by the way, like editing it, yes. put in a ding sound effect every time... Somebody could have watched Frozen an entire time. <laughs> I will. And, I, and, I, and it won't be until now that they know what it was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I better move on with this. We're yeah. nearly at the end of this. Okay. <laughs> Having come out of that film, even if I hadn't yeah. come up with all the nonsense I came up with. Yeah. I mean, come out of that film in a rage. No matter what, at the end of that song... Yeah. You hated everything. Well, Yeah. <laughs> You're in a funk. No, <laughs> what you're doing is you're looking at the film with a slightly elevated critical eye. Yes or yes, no? Yes, yes, correct. And so I'm critical now. I'm still in that mode. I'm watching what happens immediately after yeah. in an overly critical way. So this stuff might be too nitpicky as well. But I don't think this one is. Okay. Love, 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 love. We're having a love song. That song is interrupted and ended by the main character fainting and us remembering that all this frivolity interrupted an attempt to get advice about saving her life <laughs> and she... the world right now. Because she's dying. Because she's dying. She's dying. <laughs> to the point where it's no exaggeration that she's dying because the, the, the song finishes with loads more of her hair turning white. Yeah. You know, it's not real and it's a directed film, but, like, if they hadn't done that song, that would still have happened at that moment. Yes. And she's dying now! <laughs> and they did that song! <laughs> now, they didn't know that. So if no. we're being um, Watsonian, <laughs> if that is the right way round, yeah. then, okay, they're let off the hook, but the film knew. The filmmakers knew that she was dying. So, so I'm annoyed about that. Yeah. The troll leader comes in yeah. and starts, and in, again, in this desperate moment where they're all dying. He starts they're talking. They're all dying. They're all dying. Yeah. I mean the audience. <laughs> <laughs> this moment where Anna is dying, yeah. everything is terrible. Yeah. This troll leader comes in and starts fiddle-dee-dee, foldy-rolling, talking in rhyming couplets. He's talking in Yoda language to solid ice, will you freeze? Which he didn't even do before. Does he do that? To solid ice, will you freeze? <laughs> that, well, that's a quote. I can't, re I can't remember if he talks in rhyme, but I think he does. Should we find out? Okay. There is ice in your heart put there by your sister. By the way, I really like that line. To solid ice, will you freeze? Nice, right, so that's not a rhyme. There's just no need for him to talk like that. Okay, so it really was just that one line that made me think of him as talking in a fairy tale fiddly dee way. I, that's why I thought I don't remember him doing yeah. that, and he doesn't. He, he just doesn't phrases do that one line a bit weird. Yeah. Nevertheless, I'm still against that. I don't okay. like to solid ice. Will you freeze? It's there to make him sound fairy tale-y, and it's just clumsy. I don't but he's like not it. wasting their no. time any further. <laughs> no. So that's okay. I am all over the way the film resolves and subverts the act of true love thing. When we finally yes. get there, it's cool. It's new. It was yeah. exciting. But at this point, in the same way that we now start feeling weird about the role of Christoph and Hans, at the yeah. moment we're feeling Hans is going to either be totally dumped or given to Adina Menzel. <laughs> <laughs> like in Enchanted. Yeah. If in the same way Adina we... Adina Menzel likes leftovers. Hey. You know? If in the same way we allow that we're watching this for the first time and we don't know that that subversion is going to happen. Yeah. I didn't like this. A true love's kiss, perhaps? 
As far as we know, that's the answer. And okay. what we've got is another Disney film, again, where they're trotting out trite phrases just to be a fairy tale. If that had turned out to be what it was, it would be so boring yes. that true love's kiss was what it was. And at this point, that's what it seemed to be, right? It was that. I was quite cross at this moment, I think. I th not cross, but I was like, oh, really? This was going well. I didn't feel like that no. because of the fact that it couldn't be the ending. Mm -hmm. Well, we were in similar positions then, except you believed it couldn't be. And I felt like, but it can't be, but it is. But it couldn't be. Like, if it had ended with, oh, Hans gives her her true love's kiss mm -hmm. and she is saved. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, but what about Elsa, who is the main character? You know, it's one of the main characters of and the driving force of this film. That yeah. that ending would have nothing to do with her whatsoever. Well, while I agree with you entirely, yeah. the film was starting to feel a bit like it was falling apart at this stage. I understand what you mean. Yeah. And I did feel like, oh, well, that's a cliche idea. I thought, I thought we'd crossed the threshold and it was just going to be bad from now on, basically. <laughs> but, but luckily I didn't find that to be the case. Like, you know, looking at it as an overview, yep. as in, instead of on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, yep. yeah, I mean, this is a fake-out. To me, it was clear that, okay, this is a plot point that's coming up, but they must be going somewhere mm. with this. But I think anyone who isn't thinking that is just going to be, oh, yeah, They'll well. Go, yeah, Disney. Disney, yeah, let's, yeah. let's go with fair it. Fair enough. You know? And in fact, in that way, it actually helps the, the twist and be a big Yes, twist, so fair yes. enough. Um, it's misdirection, that's fine. I've got something here that I like about Fixer Upper. What? I've got a note here, something that I like. In one shot, they use the northern lights to create an effect like spots changing colour in a stage production. And that was cool. Okay. There you go. That's there like. you go. <laughs> they can keep that in the Broadway version. One final silly little note. I did think that the all men pick their nose and eat it line was the total worst. But they actually do a comedy disclaimer disavowing it in the end credits, which I rather enjoyed. Did they? Yes, they do. If you oh. leave it for long enough, it's like Disney does not believe in anything that Christoph said about men picking their noses. That, <laughs> right, that stuff. Okay. There's a little comedy disclaimer. I see. That's good. I like that. Which makes it so that there is now no disclaimer for anything else they say. In <laughs> Everything else that is said by any character yep. in this film is entirely... All the stuff that bugged me about that song and the mean things they say in it about people. Is the official corporate is line. Is the corporate line of, of the Walt Disney yep. Company. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. Well, I take back everything I said. People with weird brains and loping gates are just being stubborn and should be fixed. The Walt Disney Company. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the opinion of the Walt Disney Company. If, you know, if your betrothed is a murder psycho, throw a little love their yes. way. <laughs> we finished the song! Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! We can move on now! <laughs> Listener, please understand, we do have a lot of love and respect for this film, and neither of us wishes to assert that you are wrong if you love Fixer Upper. In fact, if we've fizzed up a load of words of frozen love in your head that need an outlet, please yell them at SeriousDisney on Twitter or SeriousDisney at gmail.com, and we'll read some of them out in a future episode, or at least see to it that your side is represented. I do enjoy the tune quite a lot. However, things can return to something like normal in our next episode as we put this song behind us. They can, but do they? After all, it's now late into the night and we all detected didn't we an adversarial undertone in this past episode maybe we'll just start scrapping and the whole discussion will be cut mercifully short and this podcast will end up in the news how exciting do tune in and find out in the next episode of serious disney